Amen. Thank you. Let's take our Bibles, please. Genesis chapter 2 tonight. Genesis chapter 2. Our theme for this year is whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. And I want to speak tonight about bringing glory to God in our service. Bringing glory to God in our service. We'll start in Exodus chapter 2 and we'll look a little bit at the life of Moses and what God expected from him. You know, sometimes we hear preaching and we'll say, well, Moses did this, so we ought to do this. Well, that's not true unless God said to do it. And uh, a lot of people in the Bible did a lot of things you ought not do. And so we don't always follow those patterns. But instead, if God has said we ought to do it, so what did God call Moses to do? Genesis chapter 2. We know the history a little bit, don't we? Joseph was sold by his brothers into Egyptian bondage. That's not how it started out, of course. He was sold to the Amalekites, and from there to a Midianite, and there finally he was in Egypt. And because of God's grace in his life, he rose up to be in second command in all of Egypt. From the prison, from the pit, to the palace, as somebody's songwriter has written it out, from the pit to the palace. And it's so true, that's what happened in the life of Joseph, because God's hand was upon him. During a time of drought, the rest of his family came looking for grain. And as they came, of course, Joseph eventually would reveal himself and bring all of his family in. By then, they numbered 70 people. And the people of Israel, Jacob's children, would grow in that place of Egypt, in a place specifically called Goshen. And eventually, they would grow to the point where they got so big that the Pharaoh was concerned. And so understand this has been a long time now, several centuries. A, the Bible says that a new king rose up who knew not Joseph. So a time has passed. And they, they got stronger and bigger, and the Egyptians were afraid that they would eventually outnumber them and take over. And so the wicked Pharaoh came up with a scheme. He said, let's do this. He says, let's kill all the sons. Any woman of Israel that gives birth to a son, the midwives are to cast it into the river. They wouldn't do it. So finally, they devised another plan, and still they succeeded, and women would hide their children. And that's how we get Moses, isn't it? His mother would take him and make a bull, uh, an ark of bulrushes, and she would put that child in the ark and set him in the Nile and hope that he would float somewhere by God's providence where somebody would take care of him. And of course, it was Pharaoh's daughter. And he was raised in the courts of Egypt. Well, you know the rest of the story as well, that Moses, I know we sometimes we watch a television production of this and it portrays something different. And I remember watching the Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston. And, and uh, while we were watching that, I know that Moses uh, doesn't know that he's a Hebrew. He doesn't know that he's an Israelite. And uh, it's kind of revealed to him later in life. But the Bible says that Moses went out to see how his brethren were doing. And when he saw that, uh, that they were tussling with one another and an Egyptian came along to break up the fight, that he killed the Egyptian. The Israelites saw it. And the next day they called him on it. And he thought, if they know, then everybody knows. And he fled into the wilderness and so now for 40 years, he's been in the wilderness, and the Bible says in Genesis chapter 2, and verse 23, and it came to pass in the process of time that the king of Egypt died, and now this is a later king, and the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage, and they cried, and their cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage. 
God heard their groaning and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God looked upon the children of Israel and God had respect unto them. Let's pray. Father, help us, Lord, as we look through the word of God tonight, that you would strengthen our service. Help us, Lord, to surrender to the call of God in our lives and every one of us have a call. You'd have never given us a spiritual gift if we were not to use it for your glory. So I pray, Lord, that you just help us to refine ourselves tonight. Help us to take the word of God and allow the iron to sharpen the iron. And, and Lord, just speak to our hearts and motivate us. Lord, we're about here now to, to open things up again. And we're looking forward to these ministries and these opportunities to serve you. But Lord, it takes servants. So I pray that you give us a servant's heart. So Father, I bless the message. May you bless your word. I need your help. So I ask for your filling. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Notice you will in verse 23, the Bible says, And it came to pass in the process of time that the king of Egypt died, and the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage, and they cried, and their cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage. I find that verse a little bit confusing, to be honest with you, but really it is dumbfounding. Now think about this. For some time now, the king of Egypt has already been taking the sons of Israel and killing those babies. Can you think of anything more wicked than killing babies? We do it every day around here. Canada is just full of abortion. It's a horrible, horrible sin. But the Bible says that the king of Egypt had been killing the sons of Israel because he was afraid that they might amount to a mighty army and take over all of Egypt. Then the Bible says that that king of Egypt died, and then the children of Israel's side by reason of their bondage. How bad did things get that they were even worse than when they were killing their sons? It was a horrible time in Israel's history. And the Bible says, notice a couple words here in verse 23 by way of introduction. It says, the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage. You know what a sigh is, don't you? That's, that's the sound a man makes when the wife says, take out the garbage. And literally, that's what this word means. I, I mean, you won't find that in the Hebrew dictionary about taking out the garbage. But it just means kind of a, uh, not this again. It comes from a place of repetitiveness. Growing weary of something. In other words, they're just tired of it all. But then the next word reveals a little bit more. The Bible says they sighed by reason of the bondage and they cried. The word cried there literally means a united cry, a proclamation. For perhaps for some time over these years, there was some Israelites that said, well, this isn't a bad situation. We dwell here in Goshen, and things aren't too, too bad. The king is the friend of Joseph, and they're supplying for our needs, and we're able to live and, and work. And there was perhaps some other Israelites that were saying things like, well, you don't understand I can see the writing on the wall, and I don't like where this is all headed. And then as the bondage took over and, and their labor increased and the taskmasters came along with whips and more and more people cried out, but now after all these 400 years, they're all crying in unison, God, help us. I'm not preaching on that tonight, but I think there's a lesson in that alone. Can you imagine what would happen if an entire church cried out in unison to God? God waited till they all cried. 
together. Was there some that were not on board? You'll remember that when they get out in the wilderness and they face the waters of the Red Sea, that some said, would to God that we'd go back to Egypt to the leeks and the garlic. Wasn't all that bad after all. Some had been born in it, been raised in it, had died in it. Their children and their grandchildren never knew anything else. And they'd resign themselves to the fact that that's just the way life was. And so when they, uh, perhaps they didn't cry out. When they called for a prayer meeting, and said, let's pray to Jehovah God. Let's ask the great I am to release us from bondage. Nobody really took it seriously. But now, after 400 years, With unison across Israel, they said enough is enough. And the cry we see in the scriptures is a united cry. It means that they all cried together. And what kind of cry was it? Notice what it says next. And their cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage. I I learned a brand new word here. When I looked up that word cry, it's a different word than the word cried. The word cried is a united cry, a unison cry. But this cry... Here's the English translation. You ready? Hallooing. When I saw it, I thought it was a Hebrew word. But it's an English word. You can look it up. I looked it up in the Merriam-Webster Dictionary. A hallooing. How many of you ever hallooed? Did you know that was... Has anybody heard that word before? I, I am curious, seriously. Anybody ever heard the word hallooed? You might, you might see it at a funeral. When somebody loses their mother, maybe in a terrible tragedy, young age, maybe somebody weeping over a child, it means to weep with great grief and mourning and the heaving of the chest and hallooing. It's one of those words that when I say it, you can kind of picture what it means. It sounds just like what it sounds like, hallooing. That's what the people were doing. They weren't just crying out to God. They were weeping. They were mourning. To say at the beginning that they were sighing, their sighs grew to this deep guttural moans. At times that they would pray that words would not even come out, but like Hannah uh, praying in the temple, they would just weep and groan and moan and cry unto their God. That's the condition we find Israel in. And when all of God's people got together and they cried Unto God like that. What did God do next? God called a man named Moses. He called a servant to come and carry out his will. He said, well, why couldn't God just do it? God could. But he chooses to use men. He chooses to use you. And by the way, that's not a burden. That's a privilege. That God would put his hand upon your life and put his spirit into your life and empower you to serve him and do the works of God is an amazing thing. Now look at chapter 3 and we see who he chose. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see God, to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place wherein thou standest is holy ground. 
Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry, their hallooing, by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land unto a good land and a large unto a land flowing with milk and honey unto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppress them. Now up until now, Moses is thinking this is a wonderful story and I'm so glad God's about to work. But now what it looks what he says next, verse 10. Come now, therefore, and I will send thee. Come now, therefore, and I will send thee. Unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. There's been a lot of business meetings over the years where a pastor will get up, a Sunday school superintendent will get up, a bus director will get up, and we're going to put a new bus on the road. We're going to go over into this little village over here and we're going to reach those children for Jesus Christ. And through that, we are going to invite their moms and dads to come to church and we're going to see a great work built over in that little town. And, and who's behind us and who will vote tonight to purchase a bus? And the church gets excited and they vote for the bus and they say, now who's going to drive the bus? And nobody's hand goes up. Wait a minute, you understand to reach those people and to, to put that bus on the road is a wonderful thing, but we need people, we need servants. We need a driver and we need some workers and we need some people to go out and knock on doors and we need some people to print flyers and we need people to go deliver those flyers and we need people to visit those kids each and every week and when we bring them in, they're going to need Sunday school classes to go to. That means we need workers and we need bathroom attendants and we need workers everywhere. It's wonderful to see God work until he says, I will send thee. I will send thee. So why did God choose Moses? Moses was reluctant just like you and I are. And don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm in the same boat. I, I mean, I, I, love, I love to preach, I really do. I enjoy, my favorite thing about preaching, to be honest with you, is the study when I'm reading a passage and over and I thought, man, Lord, I know there's something there, but it just drives me crazy. And then all of a sudden it comes. You know that the Spirit has told you something, pointed his finger at something. It blesses me. That's my favorite part. Just that time with God. But there's times where somebody will say, hey, pastor, why don't we do this? And I go, oh. are you going to drive that thing? Are you going to take those kids? Are you going to be the one? Because if not, guess who gets to do it? Paul, because I'm going to make him do it. But I've got to be honest, sometimes that's how I feel. People come with these ideas and visions and they'll say, let's do it, pastor. And I'm thinking, oh, great. Where are we going to get the workers? And what I'm really saying is, hear my Lord, but don't send me. Find somebody else tired it's true 
But God put his finger on Moses. Come now, therefore, and I will send thee. I'm already taking more time than I want to to get into this message. Let me start getting to the points real quick. I want you to see what God was calling Moses to. I want you to notice, first of all, and this is important, and it's not from this passage of our text. We're going to jump over to Numbers chapter 12. You can turn there now while I'm talking. Numbers chapter 12. But I want you to see some things that God called Moses to. And I believe with all my heart he's called us all to these things. This, this applies with a broad brush to anything you're doing for God. Anything. You'll see what I mean. Number one, he was called to conduct himself with meekness. He was called to conduct himself with meekness. Are you in Numbers chapter 12? Years ago, Pastor Massacre led our church, the Ambassador Baptist Church in Stony Creek, to merge with what was called the Glendale Baptist Church on Nash Road in Hamilton, and we became the New Hope Baptist Church, two churches combined. And it was a mess. For 10 months, there was a lot of problems, and it just did not go well, and, and uh, I, things were misrepresented, and we just, it was a bad, bad situation. One of the biggest problems in the church was everybody had to be in charge of something. I, I remember I was just at the back of the auditorium, and Pastor Masker said, would you count the attendance? And I said, Sure. He, it, was, it was our first Sunday. He said, I'm just kind of curious to see what we got now that we're all together. He said, would you count the... I said, sure, I'll do that. And uh, so I just got to the back, and I was just counting, and somebody saw me, and they come running back. They said, what are you doing? I said, the pastor just asked me to count how many are here today. And he goes, that's my job. I'm in charge of that. I said, okay, fine, go ahead and do that. No word of a lie, I came up to the next business meeting. I was called a high-priced head counter. In a business meeting... Listen, that is not a servant's heart. Moses was meeker than any man on the face of the earth. Notice Numbers chapter 12 with me. Just read it quickly. And Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married, for he married an Ethiopian woman. And they said, Hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Hath not he spoken also by us? And the Lord heard it. Now the man Moses was very meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. He was meek. Now by this time in Moses' ministry, by the time we get to Numbers chapter 12, Moses has already led the Israelites out of bondage and he's carved out a reputation. He's meek. Meekness is not weakness. It just means that he was humble and he was lowly. How many times in the life of Moses do we see that he falls on his face before God and weeps? I remember that God was plaguing the people because of their sin. And the Bible says that Moses and Aaron ran and stood between the living and the dead. He gave his very life as a sacrifice to help save his people. He was humble. He was lowly. He was meek. Many times he'd go to the Lord and say, Lord, these are a stiff-necked people. And the Lord said, I'll take care of it. Why? Because he knew Moses was meek, and so he fought his battles for him. Meekness. Meekness. 
I think we see it in his life and in his ministry. And meekness caused Moses, listen to this, to be bold, but not to be brash. You understand what I'm saying? To be bold, but not to be brash. Many years ago, we had a missionary come by the church and, and uh, the sound system popped. And uh, it kind of, he was preaching and it kind of made him jump and it squealed and popped. And, and uh, he looked back at the sound guy and he says, if that happens again, I'm going to come back there and rip your face off. Now, he was making a joke. Listen, you can, you can preach hard truths without being harsh, Right? He said this in the course of his message. He said, if you want to talk about your preacher, I've got a 15-passenger van out there. You're welcome to stand behind it when I back out of the parking lot. Listen, that is not boldness. That's being a bully. Moses was meek. There was a funeral that took place here about five years ago, and I was asked to preach the funeral, and so somebody called me and said, preach it hard. Preach it hard. And I said, can I ask you what you mean by that? I said, if I open the Bible and read the scriptures and tell the truth, it doesn't get any harder than that. Because that's what God says. I said, do you mean you want me to get up and tear faces off and there's blood in the aisles and rip people apart? I said, because I'm not interested in doing that. The Holy Spirit works through his word. Listen, you read the scriptures and you pray first, there's nothing harder There's nothing harder to deal with than the word of God because it reveals to us what we really are. Moses was meek. He always spoke the truth, but he wasn't unkind. Some pride themselves on being bold because they speak harshly and with unkindness they are not bold. They are simply bullies. Often when we are pressured or we are fed up, we lose our meekness. We say enough is enough. We need to remember we are always ambassadors for Christ. Always. I think Moses was a servant of God because he was called to conduct himself with meekness. Number one, it was evident in his reluctance. You'll remember in Exodus chapter 3, look back there with me. In verse 11, right after where we just finished reading, and Moses said unto God, who am I? Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? Moses was reluctant to serve, but I don't believe it was reluctant because he was lazy. I think he was reluctant because he lacked qualifications and he knew it. He was deeply aware of who he was and who he wasn't. He knew his limitations, and so in meekness, he was reluctant to step out. Exodus chapter 4, verse 1, And Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice, for they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. They're not going to believe me. Look down at Exodus chapter 4, verse 10. Exodus chapter 4, verse 10. And Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore nor since hast thou spoken unto thy servant, but I am a slow of speech and of a slow tongue. God, you've, you've come to the wrong guy. I have limitations. Again, I don't believe it was because Moses didn't want to serve. I believe he felt he wasn't qualified. He was reluctant. You know, sometimes we can allow that to become an excuse in our lives. There are times where genuinely I'll talk to somebody and they'll say, I, 
I don't, I, I just, I don't know that I can do that. I just, I don't feel like, it's okay, you'll learn. There's other good workers there. They'll help you along. They'll teach you. They'll show you. Well, I, all right, I'll, I'll, if you think I can do it, I'll give it a shot. Can I, can I be honest? I love that kind of spirit. I love the person that says, I'm not worthy. I'm not qualified. Who am I to stand before Pharaoh? That's a wonderful attitude. But let's not make it an excuse. We see his meekness and his reluctance, but we see it also in his reliance. Exodus chapter 7, turn there quickly if you will. Exodus chapter 7, I'll wrap up quickly, I promise you. Of course, quickly is a relative term. Verse 1, And the Lord said unto Moses, See, I have made thee a god to Pharaoh, and Aaron thy brother shall be thy prophet. Thou shalt speak all that I command thee, and Aaron thy brother shall speak unto Pharaoh, and he send the, that he send the children of Israel out of his hand. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart and multiply my signs and my wonders in the land of Egypt. But Pharaoh shall not hearken unto you, that I may lay my hand upon Egypt and bring forth mine armies and my people and the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt by great judgments. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord." When I stretch forth mine hand upon Egypt and bring out the children of Israel from among them, and Moses and Aaron, listen, did as the Lord commanded them, so did they. And Moses was fourscore years old, and Aaron fourscore and three years old when they spake unto Pharaoh. Moses just simply obeyed the Lord. In Numbers chapter 11, we find that the people began to complain, and God was judging with fire. The people turned to Moses for an answer and said, Moses, save us. You know what Moses did? He prayed. He relied on God. So I can't do anything for you, but I know who can. Numbers chapter 12, we just read, God took up for Moses. Numbers chapter 16, the people began, or sorry, Numbers chapter 21, the people began to complain, and you'll remember that they were afflicted by fiery serpents. He said, What did Moses do? He's the leader. He prayed. He prayed. I believe that Moses' meekness was evident in his reliance upon God. There's only one time I remember that, the Lord, that Moses did not obey the Lord is when he smote the rock and he paid the consequences of not entering the promised land. He was faithful and he was meek and he was used of God. You know, sometimes we're struggling. What do we need to do? We need to go to God. We're downtrodden. We need to go to God. We're overwhelmed. We need to go to God. We, we sense that we've had an injustice in our life and life isn't fair. We need to go to God. That's what we need to do. Act in meekness. We were singing a song this morning that we just sang for the second time. Yet not I, but through Christ in me. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. You can't do anything on your own. Meekness is shown in our reliance upon God. Number two, he was called to complete a mission. That's important. I want you to follow my thought here tonight. He was called to conduct himself with meekness, but he was called to complete a mission. Look back in Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. And verse 10, come now therefore and I will send thee unto Pharaoh 
that thou mayest bring forth, what's it say? What's that next word? My people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. This was a service for God. Moses wasn't going to benefit from this. I mean, he would reap the benefits of being reunited with his family, but that was not God's main purpose. He would have the benefits of, uh, of having all the Israelites around him again and, and bringing them into the land of Canaan and settling down. And, and what a wonderful time that would be, that time of reunion. And, and he would get that benefit, but that was not God's purpose. God's purpose was to bring out his people. You know, sometimes we get discouraged, don't we? We say, I, I was out and I was knocking on the door and I, boy, I gave the gospel and I handed out tracts and I, I, didn't, I didn't see one person saved. Let me say this, it isn't one iota about what you get to see. It's not about that. It's about what is God going to do with that seed that was planted? You planted, maybe somebody else will water, but God, it's God that gives the increase. And that same passage says that he that soweth is nothing. He that watereth is also nothing. It's not about us. We are called to carry out a mission. I wonder those soldiers that went off to fight the wars, how many of them ran into the mission headlong into enemy fire and they never got to see that we won. But that's not why they fought. They fought because they were on a mission. They fought for king and country. And that's what we are to do, is we are to go out and serve God just to complete the mission. We are to do a service for God. It's to bring forth my people. Number one, our goal is not recognition. When we serve, we are not to be recognized. The Bible says that if you have the applause of man, you have your reward. I, I, I appreciate every year at anniversary, I try to think of someone, who can, I, who can I be a blessing? Who can I maybe recognize and honor? And Let me say this. It always, I always try to pick somebody who I don't believe it's going to go to their head. I don't want it to be a matter of pride. I don't want to cause a stumbling block for somebody. Last year, Mrs. Engel, for 150 years or something in the nursery, it's not that long, but I bet when you're in the nursery, it'd feel like that long, wouldn't it? Good night. I'm, I'm afraid to ask if she changed my diapers. I don't want to know. That's a long time. Mrs. Chaparral a couple years ago was a real blessing to me because she'd go and take a bunch of ladies to the doctor all the time. Nobody ever knew. But we'd see her little blue car up and down side streets at ladies' houses all the time, and she'd be taking them to the doctor, taking them to get groceries, and she about shot me when I asked her to come up and give her a gift card. We don't mind honoring people, but that's not why we serve. We don't do it for recognition. Moses shied away from the limelight, and, he's, and Aaron ended up having to speak on his behalf. He was called to complete a mission. It was a service for God. Our goal is not recognition, but don't assist in verse 12. Our God does reward Notice verse 12, and he said, certainly I will be with thee, and this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, ye shall serve God upon this mountain. 
Moses, there is a reward. One day you'll be back right here and all the people of Israel will serve God together on this mountain. What a wonderful promise. There was a reward, but here's the thing. Moses had to step up by faith. And he had to serve God without recognition. He had to trust God that one day God would fulfill his promise. That's what faith is all about. The reward would follow the step of faith. So not only do we see a service for God, we see that we are to be a servant for God. I believe that Moses was genuine. He told God of his, of his concerns. He didn't understand initially that God would do all the heavy lifting, but he would become a true servant in every sense of the word. And I want you to back up and reconsider a couple of these things with me. I mentioned in passing a moment ago, but notice, first of all, a humble recognition. And here, here's what every servant of God really needs to do. We need to humbly recognize our limitations. We really do. You say, why do you, why do you have all these singers up here when you're leading singing? Because I don't sing bass like Calvin. And I certainly don't sing soprano like Judy. I'm almost an alto like Donna. But we complement each other. And that's the point of ministry. We, we don't all have the same gifts. And so we are to surround our Moses says, I, I, I stutter, I'm slow to speak, I, I can't talk. And God says, I'll put Aaron there. He will be a mouth unto you and you will be like a God unto him. Whatever you say, he will say. If we'll just surrender, God always has a way. And so when we serve, we understand that we are to be servants for God. And he made a humble recognition in verse 11. And Moses said unto God, who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh? I am just not worthy. And then he made an honest realization in chapter 4 and verse 10 that we read earlier. He, he, he said, and Moses said unto the Lord, O Lord, I am not eloquent. I, I don't speak well. But no matter what our limitations are, or might I say our excuses, God always has a way. God appointed Aaron to be his spokesperson. Here, here's here's the, the truth of it all. When I read Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, when I read those chapters, I soon forget about Exodus chapter 4, where Moses says, I stutter and I can't speak. You know what I remember? I remember the man of God spreading his staff over the Red Sea and the waters parting. I remember all the chariots of Pharaoh drowning in that sea. I, I remember him throwing those stones down from a mountain. The ground opened up. I remember manna in the wilderness. And I wonder, who is Moses talking about when he says, I'm not eloquent and I can't speak and I'm not a very good leader? Here's the truth. A lot of us don't know what we can do until we submit and surrender ourselves just to serve God. It's amazing what God can do with your life when you surrender. Somebody, somebody said to me a couple weeks ago, they were visiting from another church and they, they had been here a few times and they were listening to the singing and different things and they said, they said you know, our, our church... Uh, our song leader, he went to Bible college and, he's, he, and he said he, he leads the singing, but you know, he's really not qualified. He said, not like you folks up there that are singing and leading singing. I, I thought, oh man, if you only knew. If you only knew. 
tell me to put it in F flat, I'll put it in F and I'll just flat it myself. How's that? I, I don't know what all that stuff means. I remember the first time I had to lead singing was a Wednesday night church service. Years ago, Steve Surmaker said, would you lead singing? I said, well, all right. I was scared to death. And we came out here and the TV lights all came on. And they didn't, back then, didn't put them on unless they were recording. And I walked out and the lights all came on and I said, what's going on? He says, oh, the, the recording from Sunday morning got messed up, so they're going to record pastor preaching tonight for next Sunday to air. I said, this is on TV? Yeah. Man, I was scared to death. Do you want to know what, besides preaching, my favorite thing in the world to do? I love leading worship. I love leading singing. I, 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 I love it. I, I miss it when I don't get to do it. But if you had told me 25, well, 28 years ago that I'd be leading singing every week at Bethel Baptist Church, the point is you don't know what you can do until you just say, God, I'll just do my best. And let God bless it. Let God use it. The Moses I read about at the end of the book is not the same Moses I read about in Exodus 3 and 4. God used his life incredibly. Why? Because he became a servant for God. Let me give you one more thing. He was called to conduct himself in meekness. He was called to complete a mission. Number three. Oh, I got two more things. Sorry. He was called... He was called to carry a message. They said, well, come on, we know that. Listen, let me give it to me quickly. Number one, the heart of the message. The heart of the message was rooted in the compassion of God. God says, I see their affliction and I hear their cries. Moses didn't hear him where he was. He escaped it all. Sometimes we say, well, I, I just gonna, I'm going to go and serve God because I just love children. That's a, I think you ought to love children if you're going to serve in Sunday school. I think that's a great thing. But that ought not be our number one motive. Our motive for teaching in Sunday school is because God loves children. God loves them. Christ died for them. And it was God that said, I have a vision. I'm going to lead my people out of Israel. Moses just had to say, whatever you want, God, because this isn't for me. I can't speak. I'm not a leader. I, I, I don't know what to do. You've got the wrong guy. God said, this is my vision. The heart of the message was rooted in the compassion of God. The help of the message was to give hope to the people of God. When he went, he was to bring his people out of bondage. And the hallmark of the message, listen, was proclaimed with the authority of God. Moses knew, and he told God this. He says, they're not going to believe I met with you, God. And God said, what's that in your hand? Do you know the story? He says, a rod. He says, throw it down. He threw it down. It turned to a serpent. He picked it up, and it became a rod again. He says, put your hand in the breast of your coat. And he slid his hand in, and he came out, and it was leprous white as snow. He put it in and took it out again, and it was healed. He says, when you go, he says, you're not going in the name of Moses. You tell them, I am that I am has sent you. That's who I am. You see, I think we'd see more folks saved if we went in God's authority and not our own. We are servants with a message. We are servants with a message. 
Now let me give you this, and this is, last point is a summary of everything, and it's important, so hold on. He was called to contain his motives. So what does that mean? Three things. He had no personal ambition. Moses never stood at the burning bush and scratched his head and thought, now if I come in and I serve the Lord for a little while and I get all these people out of Egypt, maybe I'll become the general. Maybe I can promote myself to being the prime minister or the president. Maybe I'll be in charge. There was no room for personal ambition. Moses, for lack of a better term, was just minding his own business. When God said, you come and I will send thee. And Moses tried to fight back, but God said, no, no. You're my man. And Moses said, okay. But he could not carry out his personal ambitions. He never struck a bargain with God and said, well, God, can I get every, uh, can I get every Saturday off? That was coming, by the way, the Sabbath, right? He, he didn't say, well, I'm going to need two weeks off every year for the 40 years that we're in the wilderness. He had no personal ambition whatsoever. To serve God was to give up and surrender. No personal ambition. Number two, it means he had no personal aspirations. He put his dreams on hold. Outside of, uh, of ambition and rising up and becoming maybe a leader or a general for God, uh, personal aspirations would be more about his family and things like that. He, he had to lay all that aside because God had given him a mission. God had given him something to do. You know, I'm not saying that we should not have family. Family is very important. But what I'm saying is that sometimes we have dreams and all these visions besides that don't line up with what God wants for our lives. We're socking away money for different things, and it's interesting how much... I, we, we had a, a financial guy come in years ago. His name was Godfrey Apap. I remember just like yesterday, and he was talking about... He was a Christian man from Burlington, and he was talking about investing our money and how to put away for retirement and how much you would need. And he was about 30 years old, I'm guessing, at the time. And he says, well, here's how much money I'm putting away every month. And he says, he says when I get to be 65 years old, he says, I will have $33 million put away. And some of our folks looked at him, and they said, one, one dear lady said, how much do you give to missions? People are lost and dying and going to hell, and you've got $33 million to put away? Wow. What if you gave half of your monthly commitment to missions, and you ended up with only $12 million when you retired? Do you, think, do you think you could live off more than beans and rice? I'm just saying sometimes our dreams and our priorities are not matched with what God wants as servants. Paul says, I don't want to be entangled with the affairs of this world. No personal ambition, no personal aspirations, and certainly no personal agenda. Moses never got to say, but God, I, I'm going to take the path around the Red Sea. I'm going to do it my way. Not when we're serving God. Uh, listen, if you want to have a battle of wills with God, you're going to find out he's in charge. And he won't bless it unless you do it his way. 
We need servants that are willing to carry a message, that are willing to contain their own motives. And once when Moses stepped outside of that, he smote the rock and he lost out on the promised land as a result. I wonder how much of us are losing reward because we have our own agenda. My time is long gone. Let's stand to our feet tonight. Their heads bowed and eyes closed. When God calls servants, he has something in mind. We are to do his work, and we're to do it his way if we want to see his blessing. The piano's going to begin to play, and I'm just going to be quiet and let you pray. If God has spoke to your heart, the altar's open if you'd like to use it. Would to God that he raise up servants among us.